Dear God, we're so thankful for um, the salvation that we have in your Son. How you sent him to come and to die for us, to, to bear our sins and to bear our shame, and then to be condemned so that we, um, who are your enemies, might be justified before you and accepted into the family of God as uh, sons and daughters. And Lord, what a privilege it is to, to come before your holy word and to listen and to learn that we might live in such a way to bring pleasure to you, our Father. I pray that as um, uh, the teaching of this theology goes forth, that uh, it would impress the hearts of the hearers. And Lord, that we would be a people who live for you, not only in the church, but um, in the workplace. God, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, the reason why, uh, so the topic for this weekend is going to be on the topic of work. And, uh, you know, this is something I've gone through with my congregation. And the reason why it's such an important thing is because without a right understanding of work, it's, uh, you won't be able to use your hours from 9 to 5 in the most effective way as you can uh, to glorify the Lord. And I know for me, just living my Christian life, I never really received the theology of work. I never really received it. And um, I remember when I was in college, I didn't know what it meant to be a Christian student. Uh, I always made a dichotomy, a false dichotomy between the things of school and the things of the church. I I thought the school was worldly, and um, the church stuff was holy. And so I wanted to live my life as holy as I could. So I tried to get involved directly in the church as much as I could. I tried to, uh, I got involved in small group leading. I got involved in evangelism training. I I drove the bus for the church. Um, and uh, just try to do whatever I could for the church directly. And if my grades suffered as a result of that, it was no problem because I was being holy. Right? And, and if there was any value in work, I always thought of, thought of it to be instrumental. I thought of work to be the means, a means of making money, and you take that money, you provide for your family, and you give to the church, and you support missionaries. So I didn't see work as having inherent or intrinsic value. The Bible teaches that the, uh, the work does not only have instrumental value, but also intrinsic value. And that with a biblical understanding that you can actually glorify God directly from 9 to 5. And the second reason I want to talk about work is not only because uh, we end up creating a false dichotomy between work and uh, work and the church, but because it's easy to become dissatisfied with work. Uh, you know, you would think that... Um, you would think that with all the people who have a hard time getting a job, uh, those who have steady work would be happy, happy and content, but there are enough that are not. And when you broaden that perspective to think about the people who are suffering from the socioeconomic conditions of third world countries, you would expect that people who have steady work would be humble, grateful for what they have, but still so many feel entitled to have more. And so we're dissatisfied. And, you know, one of the reasons is because with the development of technology and industrialism, a lot of work has become compartmentalized and, uh, you know, repetitive and tedious and uncreative. You have, you know, you clean one batch of clothes after another. You set up one portfolio after another. You put in, uh, you know, the data into the one Excel page after the other. And there doesn't seem to be any kind of personal fulfillment. The things that you do, it doesn't seem like that there's meaning there. And, um, I mean, so what do you do in a situation like that? Do you just tell people to be content? They stop complaining. Be thankful to the Lord. And, you know, to a degree, yes, you know, tell them to be content. Uh, but there are other factors involved there. 
And uh, these are the factors that I want to talk about in the message today and uh, hopefully over the weekend. Now, the third problem that we find with Christians and work is that we Christians, you know, men and women who have committed our lives to serve and follow the Lord Jesus Christ, work with a motivation for money and prestige, right? Um, instead of really thinking about how to exalt the Lord. You know, as a Korean-American, I'm not unfamiliar with this. Uh, growing up, my parents have always told me how hard life was in Korea. You know, how they woke up, I don't know, 5 o'clock in the morning and walked several miles to school in order to get the education. They'd come back and they'd study until 10 o'clock or something. They'd walk back in the snow without shoes. I don't know. You know, and then, uh, <laughs> uh, and my parents specifically tell me that, you know, they didn't have any money for meats. And so they would eat mushrooms because mushrooms have the closest texture to meat. Right? Super ghetto, you know, but that's, that's, how, that's how they... Uh, that's what they would tell me. And they told me they made all these sacrifices in order for me to have the opportunity to become a doctor or a lawyer. Engineers like, eh, right? It's, it's like, it's kind of, and uh, by God's grace, I became a pastor, right? <laughs> and so, uh, and, uh, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, anyways. Um, uh, I, you know, the, uh, what we end up doing is uh, we, we develop this perspective. We're taught to have this perspective where, you know, we got to work hard, study hard in order to get a good college, go to a good college so that we can go to a good grad school, go to a good grad school so that we can get a good job, get a good job so that you can make money. As you make money, you build a name for yourself, you gain prestige, you, you gain authority. And when you have all of that, when you have wealth, when you have power, when you have authority, people look up to you and people don't look down upon you. And it feels good when people look up to you and don't look down upon you and you have fulfilled your purpose in life, Right? But that's practically how we end up living. As a result of that kind of thinking, we tend to elevate certain jobs. And we tend to diminish others. White-collar jobs are more important than blue-collar jobs. And one of the greatest casualties of this uh, distorted view of work is the work of the housewife. Um, you know, in the Western world, we're capitalistic, so we value a good-paying, uh, a good-paying job, and we devalue low-paying jobs. Now, as a result, it's not a surprise that the housewife is looked upon negatively as an economically non-productive citizen. The feminist movement didn't help either. Motherhood and homemaking was looked upon as a waste of time. It was looked upon as a waste of the mind. It was a waste of life. Uh, the New York Times has an article by Barbara Bush. And she was invited to speak at, at Wellesley College as a commencement speaker. But there were 150 students who protested against this decision because Barbara Bush was a housewife. Uh, students presented a petition to the president, which said this, Wesley teaches, uh, Wesley teaches that we will be rewarded on the basis of our own merit, not on that of a spouse. To honor Barbara Bush as a commencement speaker is to honor a woman who has gained recognition through the achievements of her husband, which contravenes what we have been taught over the last four years at Wellesley. So there's a lot of confusion. Um, a lot of ignorance and misguidance concerning work. And so what we want to do this weekend is bring as much clarification uh, as we can. And uh, today what we're going to do is talk about the intrinsic value of work. The intrinsic value of work. What is the eternal meaning in writing a computer program? What is the eternal meaning in running an experiment? Or taking out the trash or changing a dirty diaper? What's the eternal meaning in these things? What is the intrinsic value of work? Growing up, my dad used to say to me that, he just said to me, a man must work. He didn't say much more, right? He didn't say that. So I was just, a man must, 
남자는 이래야 돼. <웃음> yeah, yeah. And that's kind of that was kind of it. And um, but he didn't just simply mean that you need to work in order to gain money. Uh, he was essentially saying that there was something about work where a man finds his worth, where a man finds his value. Now we all understand this to a degree because there's satisfaction after a uh, after a hard day of work. There's contentment in knowing that we have done a good job. And in the same way, when we don't have work, it's very easy to be overwhelmed with worthlessness. And some of uh, you who may be struggling in finding a job uh, might be struggling with that uh, particular, um, um, particular trial. Now, work in and it of itself, regardless of how respectable or how lowly it might be perceived, is valuable. And today, in order to understand the intrinsic value of work, we're going to examine first the meaning of work for God, and then we're going to talk about the meaning of work for man. And the meaning of work for God, and then the meaning of work for man. So the meaning of work for God, in order to understand work, we need to begin with the origin of work. And the origin of work is God. Once we study Him and come to learn why work is meaningful to Him, then we will be able to learn why work is meaningful to us. In the Bible, the first biblical reference to God, the first verse of the Bible, Genesis 1-1, we get a record of God working. And uh, it says in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God created, God worked. For six days, God created everything that we have before us. Through work, God created the sun, the moon, and the stars. Through work, he made the land, he separated the waters, he brought forth vegetation, he created the animals of the land, the birds of the sky, the fish of the sea. Through work, he created us. Men and women. And God looked at everything, everything that he had created, and he said this, it is good. Now we've got to ask ourselves this question, why was it good? Why was that work good? The work of God was good because it was a reflection of who he is. And God is good. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Psalm chapter 19. Psalm chapter 19. Psalm chapter 19, verse 1. It says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. In Hebrew poetry, uh, we have something called Hebrew parallelism. I'm sure many of you guys have learned that. Um, uh, But if you don't know what it is, it's when an author essentially says the same thing twice in different ways. And so if you look at the text, let's look at it. Psalm 19, verse 1. You'll see that heaven is paralleled with sky. You see that declare is paralleled with proclaims. And the glory of God is paralleled with what? Handiwork. See that? The product of God's work is a revelation of his glory. So when we behold the sun, we are beholding his power. When we behold the trees, we are beholding his wisdom. When we behold a flower, we are beholding a glimpse into his beauty. When we look upon our lives, we see his love. Everything around us testifies to who God is. And so it says in Romans chapter 1, verse 19 to 20, what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. Creation is a a revelation of the invisible attributes of God. His external power is divine nature. It is the means by which God expresses who he is as omnipotent, wise, powerful, wise, sovereign God. 
And the greatest work by which God expresses his essence is the work of salvation. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, it says, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts, and give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Upon the cross is where we behold the power of God, who crushes the dominions and the satanic powers. Upon the cross we see the justice of God, who condemns his own son in order to justify us. Upon the cross we behold the sovereignty of God who fulfills the promises of old. And upon the cross we behold the love of God where he crushes his own son in order to justify us and to redeem us and to bring us into his family. When we behold the work of Calvary, what do we see? We see the love of God, the wisdom of God, and the sovereignty of God. Through God's work, we behold his beauty. Now, having understood the meaning of work for God, we are able to understand the meaning of work for mankind. In the same way that work reflects who God is, so our work reflects who we are. Um, you know, if I came up to you and I said, you know, um, and, uh, you know, or if you were to do, I don't know, if you were to do math and, uh, you know, you told me that 2 plus 2 equals 5, you know, at that moment, I would judge you. Right? I would judge you. I wouldn't say anything, but I would think it. You know, I would, I would think it. I go, wow, this guy's not smart. You know, it's uh, not very smart. So what you do there with that math problem tells me something about you. In the same way, if you are um, musically talented, you could play a song by ear. I'll be like, oh my goodness, you are a genius. Right? You are a genius because I have observed what you have done. Um, what we see in terms of what we do is that what we do is what we do reflects who we are. And here's the connection. Who we are is a reflection of God. So therefore what we do, which is a reflection of us, is ultimately a reflection of God. Our work reflects who we are. And who we are um, uh, is the pinnacle of God's creative work. And God's creative work is a reflection of who he is. Therefore, what we do ultimately goes back and reflects who God is. That's where the connection is. That's where the theology comes together. Uh, I think about it like this. I bear the image of my father because, um, you know, he's my dad. Uh, I'm his biological son, so I bear his image. Now, my, my, my dad is very keen on making sure that I do things that please him. I remember when I was in elementary school, I used to wear, I used to have really skinny jeans, really tight jeans, um, really tight jeans, but it was problematic because skinny jeans weren't cool back then, you know, uh, it was not cool. I had like, you know, thick old glasses when, you know, glasses weren't cool, or those big glasses weren't cool. I even had the strings attached to my glasses, you know, it's like, uh, you know, even hipsters have yet to venture into that area of territory. I mean, it's just, it's just, uh, it's a... Uh, it, it, was, it was extreme. Now, the reason why that was so problematic is because in the 90s, everybody was wearing baggy pants, right? That was a cool thing back then. And so I wanted to wear baggy pants, but my dad didn't, you know, he wouldn't let me wear it because it was gang-affiliated. And he always said, yeah, no, kang pea. You know, he says, you a gangster? And I, I said, no, you know, it's just, uh... <laughs> and the reason why he was so, you know, he was so adamant about it is because the way I carried myself would reflect him. It, people would perceive him a certain way depending on how I carried myself. 
Our works, our lifestyle is not an isolated thing. It reflects back on those whose image we bear. Now, we are a people who have been made ultimately in the image of our God. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 to 28, it says this. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Of all things God created, he only made man in his image. And of all the creatures, he gave man the commission to exercise dominion, to work. The reason why man is called to work at the moment of his creation is because he bears the image of his creator who works. And for this reason, it says in the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 20, verse 9, six days you shall labor and do all your, all your work. And then in verse 11, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. Six days you shall work. Why? Because six days God worked. And you are the image bearer of your Father, God. So when humanity composes a classical piece, we reflect an infinitesimal fraction of his beauty. When we construct the Colosseum, we reflect an infinitesimal fraction of his power. When we split the nucleus of an atom, we reflect an infinitesimal fraction of his genius. When we sweep the floor for our roommates, we reflect an infinitesimal fraction of his humility. So our work is intrinsically meaningful, regardless of what you do, because it is a reflection of our holy God. Now what this means is huge regarding what you do for work, and how you work. So the implications of this is massive. Let's first talk about what you do for work. Um, you know, many people pick a career because it's lucrative, because it's prestigious. And um, you know, it's so easy to look down upon jobs that uh, we might not necessarily respect. Um, we elevate certain jobs, and we diminish other jobs. Right? I mean, we can look at a doctor, we might say, wow. Right? Wow. But we might come across a plumber, and we might not necessarily say, wow. For the former, we might say, I want to become a doctor, but I don't think I've ever heard any of my students say, I want to become a plumber. No? Instead of seeing the worth of work, instead of seeing the worth of work grounded in the person and the essence and the character of God, the worth of work, is grounded in how much money you make and how prestigious it is before the world. The more money a job gives, the more worth it has. The more recognition and affirmation a job gives, the more worth it has. And so for that reason, many parents have pushed you to become doctors, dentists, lawyers, or engineers. It's for those reasons why many of you might be pursuing a certain kind of occupation or staying in a certain type of career even though you might not necessarily be suited for it. But if the dignity of our work is not in higher pay or worldly prestige, but in who God is, then it changes the way we choose our jobs. Money and men's respect do not become the main driving force. Instead, you begin to think about how you can best express and reflect the character of God. Does that make sense? So when you're thinking about a job, you shouldn't be mainly thinking about, okay, how much money is it making? Are people going to look up to me and respect me? Is this a, 
is this a, a glorious kind of job before the eyes of the world? Rather, you should be thinking, how can I best reflect the glory of my God? How can I best reflect His character? That's the way you should be thinking as a Christian. Is it radically different from the rest of the world? Absolutely. Why? Because you are no longer in this world. You have been redeemed from this world by the power of God's grace. Now, this is going to be different from person to person. I believe there are four factors, uh, at least four factors involved um, when you consider choosing a job. First is your desire. What do you want to do? You know, what do you want to do? Secondly is your gifts. Do you have the skills to practically fulfill your desires? You know, God has made us differently. Uh, third is resources. Do you have the resources to get the training or the capital that you need to fulfill your desires? And lastly, your responsibilities. Are there responsibilities that might limit your desired uh, career pursuits? Um, for example, if you have no talent in the arts, if you cannot sing and you want to be a singer, that's probably not a good thing, right? right? This is not good. You don't have the gift for it, even though you might have the desire for it. Um, but at the same time, a, a person, uh, a man might be good at singing, um, but, you know, something like that, the, the market or, I, I don't even know what the, the, that industry is like, but it's hard to uh, really make it in that kind of industry. And if you have two kids that you have to feed, then you might have to forego your desires, even though you are skilled in it, for the sake of the responsibility that you have for your family. Does that make sense? So you've got to begin to gauge these different factors and begin to evaluate for yourself what is the best way in which I can glorify God in what I do. There was a recent graduate at our church. Uh, his name is Eric. The guy's really sharp. did really well in his undergraduate studies, and he wanted to become a medical doctor. Uh, but then he kind of evaluated the lifestyle of a medical doctor, and he said, ah, I'll be a PA, okay? Uh, I'll be a physician's assistant. And, uh, but an opportunity came up for him to uh, work at a business that belongs to one of our members. And that business is called the Hair Shop. Uh, they make wigs. Uh, they make extension, all these hair products. And, uh, but it's actually pretty, it's a pretty crazy company. It's a big company. And... Uh, uh, the guy, the member at our church, offered him an entry-level management position. And so Eric began to evaluate himself. And he looked at his talents, and he's an excellent planner. Um, he heads up our planning team. And um, uh, his stage of life, he was single, so he could take greater risk. He didn't have a family. His desire, he enjoys being able to make decisions that uh, will shape and impact the company. He enjoyed that. His responsibilities, uh, he wants to eventually get married. And so he saw this job opening as an opportunity for him to provide for his family in the future. He saw a lot of potential for him to move up in the company. And so he went for it. So he went for it. He got a degree in biology, and again, he did well. He was ready for uh, graduate school. But now he works at the hair shop. And people might say, hey, man, that was, what is he doing? He, he forsook such a prestigious, uh, prestigious career, the potential of becoming a uh, uh, a doctor or a physician's assistant, and now he's working at the hair shop. And I just love it. I love it because he's not thinking like the world. He's evaluating his life, the gifts that God has given to him, the resources and the training he received from God, examining his responsibilities. And he says, I think this is the best way in which I can glorify God. I don't care what people have to say. That is cool. Um, Tim Keller quotes from a pastor by the name of Philip Jensen who says this, If God came into the world, 
what would he be like? For the ancient Greeks, he might have been a philosopher king. The ancient Romans might have looked for a just and noble statesman. But how does the God of the Hebrews come into the world? As a carpenter. Nick Keller himself goes on to say this. The current economic era has given us fresh impulses and new ways to stigmatize work, such as farming and caring for children, jobs that supposedly are not knowledge jobs and therefore do not pay very well. But in Genesis, we see God as a gardener, and in the New Testament, we see him as a carpenter. No task is too small, too small a vessel to hold the immense dignity of work given by God. That is beautifully put. Worth is... The worth in your work is not measured by how much you make or what our culture or family says, but it is found in the very nature and the personhood of God. So no task is too small a vessel to hold the immense dignity of work. So the work of a janitor isn't inherently less important than the work of an ophthalmologist. And the work of a housewife is not inherently less important than the work of a businesswoman. Because all of those different kinds of work reflect the glory of God in different ways. Does that make sense? So you have to begin detoxing. Detoxing your thoughts from the lie that blue-collar work is less important than white-collar work or that the service sector is inferior to the knowledge class. And that detox, I hope, will begin to challenge you to start thinking about a career that will be better suited for you personally, given your God-given gifts, your personal responsibilities, your resources, and your desires. Now, the theology of work not only affects what you should do, it also affects the way you should work. Um, If what you do is ultimately a reflection of our God, then I would expect that all of you who claim to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ to work to the best of your ability. And the reason is because when God created everything, he said what? It is good. It is good. You know, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible are the ones in the end of Job when the Lord rebukes Job. He just owns him good. I, I love it. It's like, it's like, you know, Job, if God came, I will give my complaint to him. Then, you know, God comes riding in like, like a tornado. You know, it's like, you don't, you don't, you know, people die in tornadoes. You don't ride a tornado, you know. But uh, anyways, it's just like, you know, the tornado and the voice comes, you know, a voice of thunder. And, you know, he just rebukes rebukes Job, and it says in uh, Job chapter 38, verse 1 through 11, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Dressed for action like a man, I will question you, and you make it known to me. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk, or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst out from the womb, and when I made clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band, and it prescribed limits for it and set bars and doors and said, Thus far shall you come and no farther, and here shall your proud waves be stayed. Now, everything created by God was done with the perfection of creativity, the perfection of wisdom, the perfection of power. Nothing was done half-heartedly. Nothing was done imperfectly. When God created everything, what did he say? He said, It is good. Therefore, we who are the image bearers of God should be able to look at our work and say, it is good. It is good without deceit. It is good without laziness. It is good without complaint. It is good without pride. It is good. Martin Luther King Jr., uh, so not the reformer, 
King Jr., he said, if it falls to your lot to be a street sweeper, sweep the streets like Michelangelo painted pictures, like Shakespeare wrote poetry, like Beethoven composed music. Sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will have to pause and say, here lived the great street sweeper who swept his job well. As a student and worker, you should have some of the best work ethic among your peers and your colleagues. Your work should be done efficiently. You should be thinking about things that cut out of your life if it's detrimental to your work. You should even, if time allows, exceed the requirements and the expectations that are placed upon you because your performance is more than getting a good grade. It's more than getting a diploma, more than getting a raise, more than getting a promotion, more than writing something upon your resume. But it's about reflecting your God. The intrinsic value of work is ultimately in your Lord. Now, um, I know that some of you guys are stuck at a job that you don't like, um, but you can't leave, maybe because of the financial responsibilities that you have. And for that reason, it's hard to be excited, right? It's hard to be excited um, for work because beyond the fulfillment of those responsibilities, uh, there doesn't seem anything really meaningful. But when you know that all that you do extends beyond the office, extends beyond the business, extends beyond the company, and into the depths of heaven's glory. It doesn't matter how trivial your work might seem because you know that it is adorning the majesty of the king of kings. Now, there's a story about a man who went up to several masons, and he asked them what they were doing. And um, the first guy replied, I'm cutting a stone. And um, the second mason replied, I'm earning a living. And the third mason replied and said, I'm building a cathedral. Um, you know, the world might look at your work as something as trivial and insignificant. Man, look at him. He's just cutting stone. He might look at you and say, ah, he's just doing it for the money, making a living. But as a Christian, the Lord tells us that what we're doing is something much more glorious. We are reflecting the very character of our God. The Christian in his work is displaying the divine. He is expressing the incomprehensible. He is reflecting the uncontainable. He is essentially building a cathedral. You know, being faithful is not just a matter of um, you being a member of the church and serving diligently in the things directly related to ministry. It's also a matter of how you work and what you do. Um, You know, my hope for you guys is that by the grace of God, you will excel both in the church here at Pillar, but also in your work and your academic academic life for him. You know, whether you eat or drink, whether you study or whether you work, whether you serve in the church or at the home, do it all for the glory of your God. Think about this, dwell upon it, and really just challenge your life. And this is so huge because it's not, it's not, a, it's not a small compartment of your life. It's, it almost lies at the center of your life. Uh, work is, um, takes up a big chunk of your week. And um, this is a massive challenge to all of you. Would you guys be able to count the loss and to live in a way that is very countercultural, all for the sake of the glory of your king? Uh, join me in prayer. Dear God, um, thank you for teaching us about the importance of work. And it's just not the means to uh, 
means to just make making money and just taking that money and using it for the church or for missions. But um, Lord, we know that in work we directly glorify and we honor you. And uh, the implication of this is really massive uh, because it might require for some of us to even consider changing what we do for a living um, because of a conviction of wanting to glorify you more in what we do day to day. Father, I pray that you would impress the truth upon their hearts and that you would give them strength to carry out their, uh, their convictions. Um, Lord, for the rest of this weekend, would you continue to humble us and to make us receptive to truth that we might conform our lives uh, to the life of Christ and to live in such a way that pleases you. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.